Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Public Handicapper Podcast. This podcast covers the four races run every weekend on publichandicapper.com. This is show number 19, July 12th, 2019. I'm Scott Carson, founder of Public Handicapper. I'm joined by my co-host, Hall of Fame handicapper, Chris Larmy. Chris, are you ready for some rich stakes action this weekend? Definitely, and I'm really excited that Saratoga has started up. And I'm even more excited to follow along with you as you go towards your second Saratoga challenge. And maybe you can tell the listeners a little more about that and what you plan to do this summer at Saratoga. Okay. Uh, If you follow me on Twitter, you've already seen that I uh, announced this challenge. The challenge started last year. It's a $50,000 profit challenge. The idea is somehow, some way to make 50000 on the meet in profit. Uh, last year turned out to be a tough meet and I lost 25000 Now that was money that I had won in a contest uh, in the NHC, so it wasn't that big of a deal. Uh, although, yeah, I mean, it definitely hurt. Anyway, I decided to try again this year with a few different parameters. The first is that the bankroll is only 10000 because this year I can't afford to lose more than that. Uh, second, all my bets will be announced in advance on Twitter. Third, for win bets, I won't bet less than 200. That will prevent me from wasting money with action bets. For example, betting $50 on a horse that like you think, hey, you know, this horse, hey, he could win. If it's not worth a $200 commitment, then I'm not going to make the bet. Um, I will continue to play pick fives due to the major price potential. But we'll be much tighter about it this year, only playing when I can narrow at least one race down to two horses or less, and hopefully more than that. Uh, live bankroll contests will count in the wagering. As the Saratoga contest require a big bankroll, and I am going to enter those contests. Also, if I find, like, if the races were rained off the turf so much last year that I want to have an option just in case Saratoga is just unplayable. So I will take uh, Woodbine as my backup track in case there's just nothing going on at Saratoga. I don't want to put pressure on myself to bad bet races I don't like at Saratoga. So, so, so the challenge will not include Sar- strictly uh, only Saratoga, but will be mostly Saratoga. And it may turn out to be all Saratoga. But I just want the option as a gambler to be able to also mix in a little Woodbine. And public handicapper races too. If I if I want to bet one of those races, I will include it in the challenge total. Well, good luck. Um, I'm. We'll be interested in seeing how you play the races, and I hope 
that you get better weather this year. I hope we all get better weather this year at Saratoga than last year. That was just um, miserable. They were off the turf almost every day during the meet, it seemed like. And uh, yesterday, it poured rain in the middle of the afternoon, and they had to take races off the turf. The, the final leg of the pick five turned out to be a three-horse field, and I think there were over 12 horses entered. So, so it's back. <laughs> the weather is back. <laughs> We know uh, Saratoga. They started early, but that didn't make any difference to the weather. That's yeah. right. All right, so let's get to the stakes action this week. The first race is the uh, fifth race at Arlington. It's the Hatouf Stakes for Phillies, three years old. It's a mile and a 16th on turf for $75,000. And what do you think on this race, Chris? Well, this race, it's interesting. We've been doing the show enough now that a lot of these horses that we've talked about on the pod before are running back. Um, in this race, uh, Dalika, or Dalika, I'm not sure how you pronounce her, uh, her name. She was a horse uh, that I had identified on the um, Stephen Foster undercard. You had asked at the end of the show, is there anything else we liked? And I said there was one horse running on the undercard, Dalika, that I thought wasn't going to be a big price, but she would, um, you know, she looked really strong and she did win that race. Um, it was a battle, but she won and she's back in here and I think she fits really well. I still think she has quite a bit of upside. Um, and she's six to one on the morning line. And let me check out on public handicapper. She is eight to one on pH. So seems like the six to one might um, be legitimate in terms of her price. And I think at that price, you know, she's very live in here. This is only her third start in the U.S. And both her other two starts have been been good. Um, so I like her as probably you know, the value play in here um, and the one that I'm most interested in betting at least to win and probably keen in any other wagers that I'd make. All right. Well, I also like Delica. Uh, I'm not sure on the pronunciation either. I don't think Travis Stone is. I, I watched her last race and I'm not sure. He, he, he didn't pronounce. I'm not even sure how he pronounced it, but I think he pronounced it Delica. Um, anyway, uh, the, the, I remember that race well because I singled Delica in the pick five and just <laughs> I sweated in the stretch. I just watched the race again on replay. And she ended out, you know, not only being super game, but galloped out better than any of the other horses. Not a tremendous gallop out, you know, not like five lengths ahead, but at, at least a length ahead. So it was a solid race. And, uh, I believe that I believe that she's got a great shot. I'm actually going to go with a different horse on top, and that is Indigo Jin. Indigo Jin started awkwardly in her last. Well, uh, first, let me just say that these horses are so evenly rated, so, so evenly uh, matched, that I really couldn't tell just by looking at the numbers who's going to win. I mean, <clears throat> you know, uh, Princess Carolina is fast. She's a little bit faster, but she's no value. So then how do you distinguish between these horses? And that's when I go to replays. And I saw a lot in all the replays that I looked at. And the one that I uh, was most interested in was Indigo Jin. 
She started awkwardly. She was ranked into the first turn. She was keen on the lead, but once she settled, it was fine. She gave up some ground in the stretch, like maybe three lengths. The, the horse behind her closed about three lengths. She held on, but then after the race was over, she galloped out far ahead of the other horse. So I think the race is a little bit more impressive than it turned out, you know, than it looked by the finishing lengths. And I also uh, thought that, um, uh, I, I thought she had a pace edge. There doesn't look to be any speed in this race. So Indigo Jin is really going to have the lead, should have the lead, uh, assuming that she's not rank and keen in this race, she can improve. And even though she's only four to one on public handicapper, I just don't see that happening. I, I just don't, I, I find it hard to believe that she'll be four to one. So, so that's the horse I'm going to roll with on top. But if I bet it, I will have Delica as a backup. Yeah, I think you always have to respect the horses that look like lone speed. And I do think she can grab the lead. So there's no reason why she couldn't grab the lead. And uh, like you said, uh, from a proven ability standpoint, there's not a lot that separates any of these horses. So if you could get the eight to one, that horse looks very playable. Like you said, right now on, on public handicapper, for some reason she's getting bet. It may be um, Pratt is riding. I don't know. I, it's not like Hardy is a, the trainer that would take a lot of uh, votes on public handicappers. So I'm not sure why that horse is getting bit. I do have one other horse that could be a bomb. I think it's a live bomb in here. And that is Spectralite, the eight horse. Has only had one U.S. start. Um, had, was running... It was, and its first U.S. start was at Canterbury, so that probably doesn't get everyone's juices flowing. But the horse didn't run bad despite really not getting a chance to do her best running in the stretch. She lacked, had some traffic troubles and really didn't get loose until late. Um, so I think she can run better than she did on that. Plus, it, that was off the layoff, so this is her second start off the layoff. And they put blinkers on her. Um, so I think, you know, that horse has a lot of upside, is not that much slower than these um, going in uh, and could really improve off that last race. So at 20, you know, 20 to one or higher, which it, she could go off at, I think right now in public handicapper, she's 26 to one. Um, that's a real live long shot. And like you said, a race where at least in terms of the proven ability, um, none of these horses are standouts. So a lot of it will be, you know, racing luck and trips. So horses like Indigo Jin, who grabbed the lead, or Dalika, who's just, you know, game and uh, is sharp, or even Spectralite, who makes that second start off a layoff. We talk about that all the time. As three-year-olds, you'd expect a lot of development from two to three. She had an excuse in her last race, gets an equipment change. You know, she should be more used to, you know, she's had that one race around the track in the U.S., so you could see some real improvement with her. So this is a pretty interesting race. It'll be interesting to see how they actually bet the race at Arlington because there are some surprises in public handicapper in terms of the way the current odds um, are going. 
Yeah, it's interesting. Spectralite is only 10 to 1 on the morning line, but being completely ignored on public handicapper. If she gets ignored like that in the real betting, then, yeah, I mean, second off a layoff, was pretty fast as a two-year-old, blinkers on, had trouble in that last race. Uh, I wrote, you know, I wrote on the sheet, I wrote, looks healthy, you know, it's a, a healthy horse and uh, isn't any slower than Indigo Gin. So if Indigo Gin is as low as she is on public handicap right now, which is three to one, then I don't like her at all. Uh, then I, I'd like Spectralite. So, so I may, I may work Spectralite into my top three here. Yeah, Spectralite. Um... Has already won three races. I mean, she was running in Italy, but they were stakes races, and you know, three wins already in seven lifetime starts. Uh, one of those she had trouble in her U.S. debut. You know, if you if you throw out her one late race off the layoff in the U.S. and her, her you know her her first start of her career, she has three wins and a second in five starts. So the horse you know, knows how to get to the finish line and fits in here. So it'll be interesting to see what the odds are because it, at a big price, that horse could certainly get the job done. Excellent. Excellent. Nice, <clears throat> nice observation. And I had sort of drift, I had sort of missed that horse too. So that's why I find the pod valuable as well. All right, let's go to the eighth race at Woodbine, which is the Ontario Matron Stakes. It's a grade three for fillies and mares, three-year-olds and up. Mile and a 16th for $125,000. I will get it started here. I'm going to go with Lunar Garden. Lunar Garden appears to really be in fine fettle right now. She just ran the best race of her life. Um, in her third, her, that was her second off the layoff. Uh, her first was a yielding turf race at Keeneland that clearly she didn't like it. And I, you know, it was a prep. <clears throat> uh, she got a figure that was uh, slightly better than she's ever had since uh, in, in that last race. It's third off a layoff, and she has worked faster than ever. Her fastest workout ever has happened since that last race. Um, since we're keeping it tight this week, I'm just going to, I'll leave it at that and see who you like in this race. Yeah, um, I I like a lot, all the things you like about that horse. The thing I'm a little nervous about is there are several, uh, that's a sort of a need-to-lead to type filly, and there are several others that are quick, so I'm afraid the pace could cook up. But if she can get the lead without having to go too fast, I think Lunar Garden's definitely very live, and you'll get a good price, so definitely include that horse. There's two horses that um, I really like in here. Well, actually, there's three. Um, just one of the favorites, Miss Momentum. Uh, I just want to mention her real quick. She looked really good in her last race. There's, there's just nothing not to like about her um, except the price. Um, and so I think you want to include her in exotics, but she's probably not a win bet, although she's actually 5-1 to one in public handicapper. But... Um, She'll probably be closer to, to the morning line of seven to two. Um, but the two, the, long, the price horses that I like, one we actually talked about last week, or briefly, um, the 10 horse Pamina was entered at Delaware Park 
Um, it was a, one of the, at the end of the show, what else do you like, Chris, horses that I pointed out at in the undercard at Delaware Park. She was part of an entry. Um, they scratched her and ran the entry mate, and then they um, entered her at Woodbine. Now, with Michael Dickinson, the trainer, you never know if she'll actually go or not. But if she does, I think she's very live in here. She's 15 to 1 in the morning line. Um, she's making that uh, a four-year-old second start um, as a four-year-old, the pattern we talk about all the time. Um, so to me, she really fits. She's 16 to 1 in public handicapper. Definitely playable at that price. The other horse I really like in here is Giovanna Blues. Uh, this horse doesn't have the upside of Amina, but I really liked her last race. One thing, she really likes running on the synthetic at Woodbine, especially at this distance of eight and a half furlongs. She was really working well before her comeback race last time out. She kind of dropped way back and then had some traffic problems in the stretch and the, and Miss Momentum got a big jump on her but when she finally got loose she really leveled off and and just flew home and if you watch the gallop out in this race if you like gallop outs this is as good as it gets she just just rushed past Miss Momentum um, right after the wire she was just roaring past the entire field so I think if she had had a clean trip, she would have had a chance to win last time. And now she's going second off the layoff. Um, and I just really think she is going to run a big race. And she's 20 to 1 on the morning line. And she was 70 to 1 in that race. And she finished sixth. So she could be, you know, 40 or 50 to 1 in here. Um, so I, you know, I, I think she's really live. So... Uh, Giovanni Blues and Pamina, Miss Momentum, and then probably Lunar Garden. I, I'll, for the reasons you stated, I think from the Speed Horses, if one of them can hold on, it would be her. But this is looks like a really good betting race, just like they often are at Woodbine. It's just a it's a nice track. Um, they tend to have competitive fields, and you can get some good prices on live horses. Yeah, on, on Giovanna Blues, the trip note in the daily racing form, uh, or at least uh, in the chart, says, flew, lost path one-eighth out, flew when clear. So that's uh, pretty impressive. And <clears throat> at 20 to 1, I'll have to take a second look at that horse. And I also did not notice, you know, we don't have that much time to handicap before the pod, and I didn't notice, I didn't realize that pace issue with Lunar Garden. So, so I'm going to have to take a second look at that because it looks like she only wins when she actually has the lead. And I want to see, I, I have to look in there to see if somebody else is hell-bent on taking it. And, you know, has she ever won, uh, you know, when she was second, you know, is it possible that she could take back? I, I don't know if she has. Uh, a quick glance tells me no. So, so I will revisit that. Uh, but I, I want to echo your comments on Pamina. That's my second choice in the race. Uh, I really like the pattern. The only negative is that her only synth race was bad, but I mean, bad. It wasn't as good as her turf races, but 
she had a terrible trip in that race and I, I had a trip note that I didn't remember and that's why putting trip notes in formulator is a, a great idea it's a great feature because you know you bring up past performance and you say hey there's a race from November I'm not going to remember that uh, any trip notes that I wrote for that so I did write broke in and awkwardly weaved around until getting cozy on rail it had to in a it had to affect. So, so she did have one race that wasn't that great on synthetic, but at the same time, she had a lot of trouble in that race. So she is super live at 10 to one. And mm, I've had some success with Contreras. So uh, nice to see that he's on board as well. Yeah. And I think one of the things you mentioned about her, they have been running her at, really long distances like a mile and a quarter mile and three eighths for some reason the end of the year all her starts were going really long and she never ran well at those long distances but at a mile and 16th or less she's never run a bad race and i mean now it looks like they finally figured that out because her first start was going shorter and this is again at a mile and 16th so if you look at her form at a mile or 16th or less she's never run worse than second and I think she has two or three wins. So, you know, I think at this distance, she's really live. Um, and that that one cent race was going a mile and a quarter. Um, and like I said, from all her past performances, it says that she prefers to go shorter than that. Okay, great. Great observations. And I'm going to say I reserve the right to put that one on top in public handicapper before I make my picks final. All right, so our next race is back to Arlington, and this thing is scheduled to run at exactly the same time as the Saratoga race, the fourth PH race. So we'll see uh, if Arlington does any post-drag. I don't remember. I haven't been watching Arlington, so I don't know if they do post-drag. Uh, but, but hopefully they won't be going off at exactly the same time. Uh, the seventh at Arlington is the Arlington Handicap. It's a grade three for three-year-olds and up. It's a mile and three sixteenths on turf for $150,000 purse. What is your angle on this race, Chris? Well, it's another horse where um, Bondua was my big long shot pick uh, in his last start. Uh, he was in against much, much tougher, um, the best turf horse in the country in his last race. I thought he might be low in speed that day. It looked like he was going to be, and then for some reason, Mike Smith on Corban decided he wanted to do one of his huge middle moves on the backside and he shot to the lead and he cooked up the pace and basically ended the chances of either Bondwa or Corban, who's actually running, I think, today in a race against Voodoo Song. I think that's today. Maybe it's tomorrow. Um, and I think he can win that race. But anyway, I think Bondwa is again... Um, Lone speed in here. It's a much softer field. He drew the rail. He's got the biscuit, as you say. Um, I guess that's his nickname, Biskiza or whatever. I'm not sure how you pronounce his last name. Um, just a lot going for him. He's seven to two on the morning line. Um, let me see what he has in public handicapper. Six to one. Um, I don't know. Probably somewhere in between there. But to me, he kind of stands out. Um, because he's the fastest horse, he's getting a class relief, and he gets a good post, good rider. Um, very solid, 
The other horse I'm interested in is the seven horse, the Great Day, who gets uh, Delacour is a great trainer. Um, he's making a second U.S. start, gets Flaming Pratt riding. This horse actually shows on his PPs in Argentina a race where he got beat a nose to Village King, who um, is another, a horse that came to the U.S. and actually has been a good stakes performer. I think actually won a graded stakes, so you know, you know, just off of that, that he certainly fits in here. And second off the layoff, he should, you know, improve off his last race. He is giving some weight to some of these other horses because he's won grade one races in Argentina. Um, <clears throat> but he is eight to one in the morning line. He's only nine to two on public handicapper. So that eight to one morning line may be off. He, he may not pay that price, which wouldn't surprise me. Um, but those are probably the two I'm the most interested in. Um, I think they're the best two horses in the race. Um, and depending on the price that I'd probably play one of those and more than likely be playing that exacta and playing them both if I were playing any sort of horizontal picks. Okay. Uh, I will agree with you on Bandua and... I'm not sure. Based on the figs, I would think that Great Day, the Great Day, is going to get played. So I was assuming that he'll be a lower price, and we'll see how the betting actually unfolds in that race. The horse I'm interested in as a contest play, and also possibly as a bet, is the eight Royal Artillery. Uh, he ran fast as a three-year-old in Europe. He ran one race that was pretty fast as, as a four-year-old in Europe. Then for some reason, he was off for a year and a half, came back, and he's, they look like they've just been racing this horse into shape. Uh, <clears throat> has run, what, seven times since December of, yeah, since December of last year. And <clears throat> really kind of fig-wise came through in, in his last race. Uh, if you look at it um, in the racing form, the buyer is a little bit better than his layoff race at Tampa. And that's an angle that is pretty effective. It, it can be effective. It, it can be effective in predicting a horse's most improved race. So uh, there's two angles really here. One is that based on figs uh, in Europe, he matched his top in his last race from his three-year-old top. Now, <clears throat> assuming that the horse is going to potentially improve from its three-year-old top, which is a natural assumption, then he should improve at some point in his life off that three-year-old top. Since he just matched it, that indicates that he's ready to improve. The second angle is that the little uh, improvement off his layoff race, assuming that the layoff race took a little bit out of him uh, he kept on racing and finally went through that uh, figure off the layoff race and this is a sheet angle that uh, is a pretty common sheet angle I mean I think most people are aware of this angle and that is when a horse off a long layoff improves slightly over its layoff number then it's ready to run the best race of the year 
the problem is that usually they run again like three or four weeks later and it's not they don't always run that best race then they run it the, the second race after that which is about two months after the top so the timing is perfect for this horse to run the best race of the year and also the best race of his life and he's 20 to 1 morning line and he's 38 to 1 on public handicapper so so I, I you know I think he's I think he's bettable I think he, he's the kind of horse that people can easily ignore especially when there's another horse that's going to get some steam by the same trainer um, he hasn't used this jockey M Miguel Mena yet and I, I, I think it's a sneaky play and I think he could blow up the super and possibly even win the race yeah, I think he's live. A couple other things um, for him is his breeding is really good. He's by Warfront out of a Dynaformer mare. So, you know, he's bred to be a good horse. And the barn is hot right now. He does have a stable mate, El Picaro, but that stable mate likes to run near the front. And our Royal Artillery is, you know, kind of a deep closer. So it makes sense to run them both. And there's nothing wrong with Mena. I like him. He likes to save ground. So I think he'll try to drop over to the rail. And like you said, at a big price. I don't know if the horse can win. The one negative, but when a horse is the price this horse is, you're going to have some negatives. I mean, that's just, you don't want to let those dissuade you from playing a horse at a big price. But the one thing I don't like about this horse is he's kind of an ouchy type. Um, that, you know, has lots of big gaps in his past performances. And every time he runs a good race, he goes on the shelf or, and, and just kind of falls apart. And he did just run, you know, a really good race for him. So I'm a little bit worried that that might be his fall apart <laughs> race. Um, but uh, he's had some good workouts since then. They did give him some time. They didn't rush him back. And, um, uh, they already have a horse in here, so they don't really need to run him in here if there's anything wrong with him. Um, and it'll be the big price. So I think he's definitely playable, but that's the one thing. You know, I wish on his past performances he had shown where he'd run a good race and then, you know, he didn't he didn't, all, didn't always set him back. So that's the one negative for him. Yeah, um, I but think, I... Go ahead. I, yeah, go ahead. Well, I think that to address that concern... When he ran the good race as a three-year-old, then he was off for the year. When he ran the good race as a four-year-old, he, he ran back in less than two weeks and didn't run well and then was off for the rest of the year. The difference this time is that he's uh, got some foundation in him and that he's even entered in this race. Two months later, they've given him the requisite time. And I think it's a positive that like this time... He, he's, he's healthy, so now he's ready to run the race of his life. Well, he's definitely worth including. Uh, another long shot, I'm hoping that they scratch because he's cross-entered in another race where I think he has a much better chance to win. But this is a horse that I picked in his last start at Canterbury, my barley, or barely, my barely, um... He had a, just a miserable trip. He broke poorly, went 10 wide on the first turn. He had no chance in that race. I knew from the opening of the gates he had no chance. Um, so I'm just going to toss that race. But now he goes second off a layoff. You know, there's 
they ship him over to Arlington for this race. Um, it's a little tougher company, and he got stuck on the outside. He did get a better rider in Drayden Van Dyke, but they also cross-entered him at Indiana Downs in a softer spot where he drew a better post, and I think he looks really strong in that race, so I'm hoping they scratch here and run there. So that's another play um, for the listeners out there. Um, at Indiana Downs, they have a night card, and there's a stakes race later in the card with my barely in there. Hope so. If he scratches in this race, um, play him in that one because I think he looks strong there. Here with the post, um, it's it's a it's kind of tough, but he's actually faster than just about every other horse in the race. Van Dyke is a good rider and capable of working a trip from a tough post. He's a drop back closing type so he doesn't necessarily you know the post doesn't necessarily have to be uh, a big detriment to him because Van Dyke like I said he's good at saving ground good at riding on the turf so he's another big price um, uh, I think he's 35 to 1 um, I think he might be a little more likely than, than Royal Artillery to win. So between those two, I'd probably go with my Barley. But um, both of those are very live long shots. And you, you put them in with um, Bandwa and The Great Day, and um, you might hit some big exotics. Now, I don't know how uh, – well, actually, you, you were watching the race, so maybe you didn't watch it through a replay. Uh, I wasn't looking at him in that race. I was looking at my horse, who I don't remember who it was, but uh, the the chart doesn't say anything about my barely having trouble. Settled outside foes, proved no threat. So that illustrates the importance of accessing replays, especially if you think the horse has a shot figure-wise. So now I'm going to have to take a look at that race because I didn't... I didn't know there was any trouble. I, even though I was watching the race, I wasn't watching that horse. Uh, so he's second off a layoff, and I noted that he had the best workout on the page. Uh, when I print the workouts for DRF, I can't see I can't see them lifetime. I see only one page worth, but it was the best workout on the page, which usually goes back a couple of years. And he did that since his last race. So if he had trouble and he uh, worked out like worked out well then he's another uh, serious com competitor uh, contender that you have to take a look at well the note was true he did settle outside foes about eight wide after a really bad start um, and he was no threat so I <laughs> but they kind of <laughs> left out some important things about why he settled way outside um, far back where he was no threat so yeah. all right okay so a lot of lot to choose from in that race we're going to now go to our last race, which is the ninth race at Saratoga. It's the Diana Stakes, a grade one for a half million dollars for fillies and mares, three-year-olds and up, mile and an eighth on the inner turf. And when I was picking the races for Public Handicapper, initially I said, oh, we can't do this race because it's a six-horse field. But then I thought, well, it's hard to not do a race opening weekend of Saratoga and this looks like an extremely competitive race. In fact, the horse that I'm picking is not even one of the four chads in the race. I'm going with Secret Message. Secret Message is a new horse this year. Last year she broke badly or was fractious 
<clears throat> before all of her turf races. This year she's two for two. Uh, she has not had any problems at the start. Uh, the key is her last race, which she really broke through. And it doesn't look like it was that great, but it was better than it looked because she was racing against Starship Jubilee. And Starship Jubilee ran her fastest figure ever in that race and still got beat by Secret Message. Not only that, but in the race, Starship Jubilee kind of took the lead at the head of the stretch and like gunned it and opened up like a four length lead and Secret Message ran her down. And not only did she run her down, but the gallop out was tremendous. She was like five lengths ahead, uh, you know, a, a little bit after the, the end of the race. Um, so, you know, I think with all these chads taking tons of money, you know, it happens, especially with the Breeders' Cup Philly and Mare turf winner in here and Rushing Fall, who's eight for nine. There's a chance the secret message could get go off at really high odds. And figure-wise, she's not, she's about the same, she's about as fast as Sister Charlie, my, yeah, Sister Charlie and Rushing Fall. So she's also getting six pounds from them. So I, I just think that she's, she's on now. She's racing as, as, as good as she ever has. She's just about as fast. She's a four-year-old, so she still has a right to improve from her last race. And uh, one other slight angle is I use these racingflow.com figures. The, they're for uh, bias and uh, racing flow information. And they had that race as uh, a, uh, a speed favoring flow. So she closed from second to last to win that race and galloped out huge, overcoming that flow. So she'll be an upgrade on their figures. And that's just another angle. There's so many angles to like in this race that I think I'm going to bet real money on this race. And because the Saratoga Challenge requires me to bet 200 to win, I'm probably going to have 200 to win on her. And I think she's going to be 10 to 1, maybe much higher than that. Yeah, I um, when I saw that you picked this race, I was surprised. Um, and so I thought, well, I know exactly why Scott picked this race because there's only one horse he could possibly play in the race, and it was Secret Message. So I said, this must be a horse you're thinking about playing as part of the Saratoga ch Challenge. So I really don't have <laughs> well, much much to add. Let me clarify that I didn't handicap the race. I, I just I knew that they were very evenly matched, and with the three chads, uh, I, I knew that. Like, how are you even going to decide which one of the three chats? Uh, there's a fourth that's not as fast. Uh, so I figure that it's going to be just a seriously competitive race. So there's still opportunity there. Uh, the secret message stuff, that all happened late last night when I discovered it. And, and this morning when I watched the replay. Well, yeah, and, and she did have, she really was impressive. As a turf horse, you love to see them just really explode down the lane and, and just continue to gallop out very quickly. So, you know, I I don't know if she's good enough to beat all the Chads. There are four in here. And the fourth one's actually important because, you know, I think she's in there as a rabbit. Um, and so Mitchell Road and uh, she and Mitchell Road will probably hook up. And Rushing Fall will be pressing the pace too. So I think it will be a really quick pace, which won't hurt secret message at all because you know she likes to close but of course so does 
Sister Charlie and Home Reek, but I think what Trevor McCarthy needs to do is make sure he's, he gets the jump on those two. You know, he doesn't want to try to outkick them side by side, especially Homer Reek. Well, both, they're very quick, very um, good closers. But if he can get the jump, um, you know, uh, the, those three front runners, if he can, can get past those before Homer Reek and Sister Charlie, um, he might be able to hold them off, or she might be able to hold them off. Sorry about that secret message. Um, uh, because, you know, those are three quality closers and some good front runners. I mean, it is a quality field. It's too bad that, you know, Chad Brown just owns two thirds of, of this division because, um, you know, it's just, it, it, there's so, there'd be so many, many more chances for, you know, better betting affairs. Although this one may work out and be playable. Um, it's just a little disappointing to see four of the six horses by the, you know, coming from the same barn in a grade one turf race. Okay. Yeah. And you know, that is, it's a little disappointing because everybody who wants to win on turf is sending their horses to him. Um, now after, after all that, I'm still not sure who is your pick in this race. Um, oh, well, I think the bet is definitely secret message. Um, so that, yeah, I'm with you uh, for all the same things you said. I mean, she, she has a good chance. The weights help her. The only one she's not getting weight from, uh, you know, that's the, one of the big three from Chad is the, the Homerique, who's a really nice horse. Um, and that's probably, I think, the one to beat um, because Sister Charlie's coming off the bench. I think she wants a little longer. Rushing Fall has had things all her own way in a lot of her races, and the, the pace will be a lot quicker. So I think of the three Chads, Homerique is the one who's most dangerous. But I certainly think Secret Message has a chance, like I said, if she can get the jump on Homerique and Sister Charlie um she could win the race and she's definitely the the one that we value okay great well uh we're a little tight on time this morning so we're going to wrap it up after that race uh i want to thank you chris for joining me this morning on the pod and thank our listeners and hope you hammer it this weekend there's a lot of good stakes races and we'll end it with a little brooklyn boogaloo blowout cheers 